Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Hey, it's Fitz, and if you don't know who I am, here's a quick bio. Veteran sports journalist who writes, does TV, radio, and is a longtime podcaster. Also, I have stage 4 prostate cancer, so my doctors advise me to stay home during these COVID-19 concerns. So what am I doing with my time? I'm calling some of the many friends, athletes, coaches, and colleagues who have been part of my life during more than 30 years in journalism. Oh, and I'm hitting the record button. Welcome to my life and the Life of Fitz podcast. Wrap your mind around this. There may be no other person on the face of the earth, not named Snyder, who has had a bigger impact on Kansas State football than Michael Smith. Smitty, as folks in these parts call him, was already at K-State in December of 1988 when Coach Bill Snyder arrived. He was a walk-on freshman receiver from New Orleans who didn't top 140 pounds during Stan Parrish's final year in Manhattan. And he had no intention of ever returning to Kansas State either. Bill Snyder must have known what Michael Smith would mean to the program he was about to build. Snyder offered Smith a scholarship, and he returned to a much different program than the one he had left behind. This was more of what he expected from a college football program, and while the Wildcats won just one game in 1989, Snyder's first season, the program started building momentum. Smith played three seasons for Snyder, ending his career as the second most productive receiver in Big 8 Conference history. That was an amazing turnaround. After a brief stay in the NFL, Smith entered the coaching ranks in 93, staying with Snyder until his first retirement in 2005. Smith then went to Rice for a season, then to Arizona for two seasons under Mike Stoops, but returned to Manhattan in 2009 when Bill Snyder came out of retirement. He then left to work under Brett Bielman at Arkansas in 2013, and he just resigned from the staff at Kentucky under Mark Stoops. It's a topic he's unable to discuss due to an agreement with the UK, but what he can discuss is his amazing place in Kansas State football history, and boy, does he have some K-State ties in his coaching career. So let's call Michael Smith, who's currently back at home in New Orleans with his family. What's up, Fitzy? Smitty. What's up, man? <laughs> Nothing, brother. Just hanging out, man. Shit, trying to, trying to get through this dang on COVID, brother, so I can get my ass back on on the field somewhere. I know. I know. <laughs> Has this been good timing for you or horrible timing for you? Uh, both, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, not a lot of people know I'm out right now. Yeah. But, you know, not to have the, the income and the the uh the security i guess yeah. it's been it's been difficult you know uh you know i got a little money on the side to hold me over man but you know it's always better to be in and, and have that uh that security blanket yeah. as far as you know the the medical aspect for the family which i had to go out and get insurance for the first time in a long time oh that sucks uh you know with two with two kids that's still under what's your case and turn 11 today so on the 11 and uh you know the two older girls i mean kylie's married now so uh she's off my hands a little bit but <laughs> you know kenzie kenzie transferred down here to southern miss so she right up the street from the from the house man so but it's i mean it, it's it's been good man but it's it's definitely a crossroad right now for me because my mind's going both ways if if i want to stay in it to be honest with you yeah I just felt stalemated, man, and it was it was time. Oh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I was getting compensated very well, and mm-hmm. you know that part of it was awesome. And the guys were great. I'm not saying they weren't good people; they were good people. It just was uh, it was it was a humbling experience, you know, because I, I mean, if I'm making the money I was making, and 
being the league I was in to to not be there anymore it sucks but uh, humbly again and I'll say this on your podcast I'll put my resume up against anybody Mm -hmm. head coaches coordinators up and down the road you know and uh, you know and, and and it was a conversation coach and I had when I left you know and he did he offered it to me but it was too late you know, I'd, I'd accepted the job with Brett, you know, and then, you know, when Dre was thinking about leaving, he offered me to come back, you know, in the situation. Again, and a lot of people don't know this, Coach offered me to coordinate a job uh, right before I took the Kentucky job. Uh-huh. But Dre, him and Dre were still negotiating, you know, and Dre decided to stay, and that's why I took the Kentucky job. But I was coming back then. You know, and, 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 you know, everybody should know. I mean, Coach and I got a different relationship than probably a lot of people. I think they know that, you know, from my playing time and the time that I was there coaching. I got a different relationship with Coach Snyder than I would say a lot of former players do. And, I, you know, and I've used it to my advantage. He's used it to his advantage. And that's why, you know, I've revered him so high, so high for a long time and still do. I bet you, even though you're unemployed, you're, you're probably happy you didn't have to try to hold a Zoom call with a bunch of college football players. I'm, I'm definitely, definitely, definitely. You know. <laughs> I, uh, it's, it's, you know what, man? It, this, this uh, whole situation has been uh, unprecedented. It's, it's uh, unfortunate. And, that these these young men and all these coaches that the the world is going through this, but uh, you know it's hard for me. And like I said, I got a kid that's a college athlete, uh, and we got two young kids that are still in elementary school, and I'm having a hard time. Which we're not. We're going to do virtual school with two younger ones, but my daughter being a volleyball player. I'm uh I'm I'm very concerned, you know. I'm 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 trusting in you know the, the process that they're going through right now, but the season hasn't started, you know, they're they're kinda getting back into practice like a lot of these college football teams are. But I'm very, very worried and concerned about you know, her health, obviously, but also I think the message you know, is but you're getting it from the top. You know, in the NBA and the NFL, or getting ready to play. Uh, the message is: are sports bigger than life? You know, and that's that's the that's the concern. And and it, you know, and we all know what we signed up for. I'm not I'm not gonna knock that. And if you make that decision, you gotta know what's going on. But it's not only affecting you individually; it's affecting your inner circle the people that you're around every day and and it's it's just hard to control it and it's until we find and i say that because we don't we don't know what this we don't have a cure for it right. and people go we don't have a cure for the flu either but this is this is different from the flu man this is this is bad you know but it is what it is you know for a guy in my situation i just kind of got to hide out you don't know who your path's going to cross cross with and maybe you pick something up right and that's that's the sad part about it i mean of course i want to hang out with my friends of course i'd like to go out and socialize you know but it right now is just is just not the time just let's get this thing under control first and however long it takes and that's what i'm saying about sports and about school you know especially sports i mean shit we're talking more about sports than we're talking about these kids going back to school yeah. you know when's the season gonna start when's the season gonna start well how about when they gonna start school yeah you know, yeah. but, you know, when they gonna start school? That's you can tell me. And and like you say, a lot of people are doing the the virtual stuff. So virtual classes are starting it. But I, you don't hear that stuff in social media. You don't hear that on the news. You know, not as much as you hear about the NFL is doing this and the NBA is playing. And I know I'm in that circle, so I pay attention to it more. But part of all we've preached all our lives that these kids are student athletes and now you don't hear anything about them being students 
Yeah, you're, you're right, man. I think what we've learned here is from the pro ranks is if you're in a bubble, you can pull this off. If you're not, you're going to have problems, and you can't be in a bu- bubble in college football. College sport. And you can't I, – I, there's no way. There's no way. There's no social distancing in football. <laughs> no. No. Uh, there's too are, many people. You're, you're not a very good team. Yeah. <laughs> there's too many people. I mean, it's not like – I mean, I was just watching something on Sports Center. I mean, on a first take. I mean, are you willing to – okay, you stay at your facility for the next three months and your families can't visit you? And you're only around the 53-man squad and the coaches and the trainers and that, and you're gonna stay at the take Kansas City. You're gonna stay at Arrowhead in the practice facility for three months. Yeah. Are you willing to make that sacrifice? I mean, you are you are getting compensated, but you're also putting your life on the line. Yeah. Now, now you have a disease that can affect it. Nah. Uh, a pandemic issue? No, nah, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Let's take those three. Let's take those three months and and figure this thing out. Yeah, I I, I think they're going to give college football a shot, but I I don't think we're going to end up playing much. So. I, I find it hard to believe because you know I I have friends uh, that are in the administration. Well, we're not thinking about thinking about traveling. I know. You're putting them on a plane, and you're putting them in a hotel. I know. How are they eating? Who you who are you gonna tell they can come to the game? Your season ticket holders. What about the parents and the families of the kids? Who've they been? Have they been practicing social distance? And then they see their son after the game and give it to him, and then he brings it back into the locker room. I mean, it's. It's it's unfortunate and sad, but those are the things that I don't think people are really thinking about. Yeah. <clears throat> a lot of moving parts here. A lot, yes. I, I, uh, but uh, at least you're not associated with the Big 12. We still don't know anything about the football season. At least everyone else is trying to make plans. The Big 12 is like, well, we're just going to sit here and wait and do nothing. All right. It's frustrating. All right. And it is. It's frustrating, man. And it's and it's it's out of the norm. So that's why I think a lot of people get frustrated. Well, damn, it's it's August. We ain't talking about getting ready for camp, you know, in the in the Big Twelve. I mean, what's what's going on? Everybody else is. Why are we not doing it? Yeah. Well, we'll see what all pans out here, but uh I I don't see how they're going to get very far because people will get infected. It's just oh yeah, thing is so insane. it's going to happen. Yeah, it's going to happen, and it's going to happen. You know, like I wrote a month ago, what happens when it gets into your running back room or your receiver room? Do you play a game without any running backs or receivers? I mean, how do you do that? How does that even happen? So exactly, and people did it. go 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 lose your starting quarterback. Yeah, for three, he's got to get quarantined for two weeks. Uh, is it worth it? I know. And someone, uh, as you know, I understand that this generation, that age group typically handles this a lot better than, say, our age groups, but not always. And what happens? Not always. When, when that one college football player ends up on a ventilator, what, what happens? I think it gets shut down immediately. I, I would, I would. Hate for that to happen, but I would hope that if that did happen, somebody would make that decision and say, "Hey, let's. We need to study this more. This is not what we need to be doing." Again, it goes back to, you know, sports. I'm not just talking about football. We're talking about football because that's what we do. But it's not. It's not bigger than life, man. It's not. It's not nice. Created a lot of great opportunities for me throughout my life, and and for a lot of other people. But it's still a game, you know. It's a game, and and people need to. It's a game that has provided opportunities and jobs for people, and it becomes a a job. But it's not essential. I should say it's not essential. I understand. Okay, so if Michael Smith gets back into coaching, what would your ideal position look like? At this point, man, you know, I, I've uh, I've really enjoyed 
being an assistant coach. I mean, I, I really have. Uh, you know, there's a lot of pressures. Uh, but, you know, I, I kind of always told people, man, and as I've gone through my career and been fortunate enough to to earn some of the pay that I've earned over the last couple of years, I mean, I was one of the highest paid receiver coaches in the country, and I was coaching 16 guys. And, you know, people like, well, man, you should go be a head coach at a smaller school. And I'm like, huh? Then I got to worry about 120 players instead of the 16 players I got, you know. So is it, you know, it's it's a uh, catch-22 because I do believe this, too. There's no better job than being your own boss because you call the shots. Uh, Now, you do have somebody to answer to with an AD and a president. And, and so on and so forth. But, uh, you know, that I've, I've never had a, a issue with being in the background. I've never, I've never had that issue. Uh, I guess where I've, what I talked to you about earlier is that, you know, I, I would put, I put my, my resume up against anybody. I, I believe I have the the skill set to be a coordinator. I believe I have the skill set to be a head coach. I, I truly believe that. Uh, you know, and, and only time will tell. You know, I'm not, I will never rule that out because, uh, you know, I have an ego and I'm a competitor just like anybody else. And, you know, the thing that I would tell people is every time I've been challenged, every time I've uh, had a setback, I've bounced back. You know, I've coached with some of the, the best coaches in in football, not just college football, in football. I've been around some tremendous men that uh, that have, have had success as head coaches and as assistant coaches yeah. and as coordinators. And I tell people this, man, it, you know, 27 years, I wasn't sitting in those uh, – I wasn't sitting in those meetings picking my nose. You know, I, 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 uh, the one thing I've always said to people too, you know, people feel that you have to spend countless hours to learn this game and to do this. And that's the way I was trained coming up, you know, being under Coach Snyder. But I think a lot of people have seen that, uh, there's more than one way to skin a cat, and this ain't no knock on coach because he's the best coach I've ever been around. So, you know, but he did it a different way. And there's a, there's, they, shoot, they made rules because of some <laughs> of the things that coach was doing. And I, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, we have a 20 hour rule. I don't think football comes easy to me. It does. It always has, but that's what I've done all my life. You know, uh, you look at, and I'm not comparing myself to a musician, but there's some musicians that just can go out there and do their thing. And that's how I've always felt about football. Do I have to work at it? Yes. But it doesn't take me two or three hours to see that this is the way we got to be covered too. And some people say, well, you're limiting yourself. You're not innovative and all this. Okay. Well, Coach Snyder took and moved one guy out of the backfield and put the quarterback at tailback and and ran over people. Or you're not innovative. I mean, I played against Colorado and Oklahoma and Nebraska, and they were running the wishbone and the, the option, and everybody in the stadium and in the country knew they were doing it. Yeah. And they couldn't stop them. You know, they could not stop them. Everybody in the country knew we were handing the ball off to Darren Sproles. Everybody. Mm-hmm. They couldn't stop him. Couldn't stop him. We won a lot of football games just doing what we did, you know, and and uh, I, I, I do believe in being innovative. I'm never too old to learn something. But on the other end, uh, you know, I mean, like like right now, Patrick Mahomes is a pretty good talent talented football player and he works at it and I don't know the kid personally but he's not throwing the ball any different than what he did when he was at Texas Tech yeah he's not I mean he had a he had an unbelievable arm at Texas Tech now he's gotten surrounded by some other guys that might have upped his game a little bit more and the stakes have gotten a little bit higher but he's still Patrick Mahomes 
Yeah, I don't know. Whatever he's got, you really can't coach. It's, you don't coach that. Yeah. You don't coach that. You don't coach that. You don't coach you don't coach Tom Brady. And that you say I I would make you laugh, Tim. This is when I was younger as a coach, everybody was like, Man, Smitty, you 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 should be an NFL coach. And I used to be so intimidated by it. I was, you know, in my early twenties. I'm like, dude, could you imagine me walking into a room and Jerry Rice is sitting there? What I'm gonna tell him? What what am I gonna tell Jerry Rice <laughs> as a twenty five year old receiver coach? Uh, just like I did Darren. After after Darren learned our playbook, and I used Darren. After Tyler Lockett learned our playbook, after Kevin and Tyson and all those guys learned, a, Coach Miller did it to Frank and I. After we learned the playbook, he wasn't like, "Yeah, hey, y'all need to do it like this." You need. He would ask us. Give his opinion, but he wasn't like, no, you're going to run it this way. I told Darren Sproles, and I used Darren because he's just getting out of the league. Hey, we're running 54 pop out this week. These are the steps you're going to take. Uh, this is who I want you to read. But uh, once you get that ball, bro, go do you. Yeah. Josh Scope the same way. All the great backs that I had shoot that I coached when I was at Kansas State, uh, go do you. And that's the way Coach was with us. Coach Miller, Coach Snyder, he told us this. He taught us, you know, the nuances of the stuff. But after that, go play ball, bro. That's why you recruited us here. And, and uh, you know, I think uh, sometimes a lot of, a lot of people – outside really don't don't understand that. Now, you can't go out there and just freelance the whole damn game. No, we'd be getting our butt kicked, but uh, you, you have to, it's, it's, a, it's a fine line. And after you've installed those fundamentals and the techniques and stuff, you got to let guys go play ball. Well, the, the special ones need to just kind of be turned loose. And, you know, if you're an offensive lineman, you better not be freelancing. You're going to screw everything. No, so, yeah. Uh, no doubt. Do you, your job is to clear the way so that the artist can go yes. go, go do his painting. You're right. You're right. Right. Well, you mentioned early on you've got a unique relationship with Bill Snyder. Uh, what's he mean to you? Pretty vague, huge question right there. Uh, I, 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 and I mean this with all sincerity. Besides probably my my dad and uh is from from an athletic standpoint he's probably been the most influential yeah uh figure in my life because of the time that we uh we invested in each other from a 17 year old kid to a 50 year old man uh coach has been somebody that I've leaned on uh like i said besides my dad i lean on him you know and 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 it's changed now because you know coaches i'm not there as much anymore but i still talk to coach i mean i do i said we he always asks how the kids are doing you know how my mom and dad are and uh you know i just i just got a uh a unique at least in my eyes it's it's unique you know uh you know, guys used to give me a hard time when I was there as a player, and it continued when I was coaching that I could do no wrong with coach. Well, that's not true. Now I'm telling you, that's not true. <laughs> but, but, uh, but you know, he he did. He looked out for me. He did, and and I'm I'm forever so grateful to him and Miss Sharon. You know, they you know because she had to probably hear some stories about me that a lot of people didn't know behind the scenes and uh never it their their love for me never wavered their uh their concern for me has never wavered and i uh I'm, i truly appreciate him for it uh you know we 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 just spent a lot of time together shoot i mean i spent I, there was a point where i was spending more time with coach than i was spending with my own family mm -hmm. you know because of the circumstance being there as a player and as a coach I'm, and uh you know getting to to enjoy some of those milestones that coach got to enjoy professionally but you know 
for coach to be there when coach's son goes into the ring of honor, you know, things like that. People, you know, sitting on staff meetings and just actually hear him talk and, uh, being, being like you guys being in those, uh, those interviews and listen to the things he said and the way he expressed himself about that program, about the city, about the university, about his family, and about that team, you know, you, you just, you feel like you know somebody. And then the personal relationship behind closed doors just enhanced that relationship. And uh, it, it just, it was unique, man. It was really unique. Cause I'm going to tell you, he did, he, he did, I won't say lean on me, but he did uh, consider my uh, opinion on a lot of things. When I left, you know, coach would call me about, and we would, I would call him about players that were there that I had recruited and, you know, just to check on them. I mean, I can tell you multiple things about, you know, Michael Haas such and such doing. Cause he knew I had a, I had a connect, a connectivity with all these guys. Right. And, uh, you know, even my, my former teammates, you know, he knows I have a connectivity with them. And that's what I think made my time there different than a lot of people. I think Sean might be the only one and Joe Bob for some time, you know, but I always tell people I was there before coach. So I had a connectivity to Kansas state university prior to coach getting there throughout the time coach was there when coach left because of, uh, you know, my connectivity to former players and it, it was just, it was just a unique situation for me. And I was blessed to be in that situation. And, you know, Sean went through it, you know, cause Sean stayed when we left and he had known so many people there in the Manhattan community and at the university and on it, on all those football teams that he had a similar experience. Hey, it's Fitz. Let's hit the pause button right here and take a little break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer. Two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. Do you remember the first time you met Bill Snyder when he was hired? Uh, I remember the first time I talked to him. Uh, He, uh... He he was just so different, man. you know. That was that was the thing that I was uh, probably most intrigued with with Coach. He was just so different, you know. Uh, and this isn't a knock on Coach Paris, because again, I, you know, I tell people this: I was a, a walk on under Coach Paris, and uh, being in the profession now. It, times have changed but back then you know walk-ons were just hey if he can help us he can help us but we're not gonna spend a lot of time on him you know unless he's a guy that can help us and uh you know coach Paris gave me an opportunity to walk on and uh got to play under him as a true freshman but I didn't really know him didn't know him you know did not know him and to get the opportunity as a uh, as a sophomore who caught eight, I mean, 
I caught eight balls to get the opportunity for a man to just dive in and uh, give you the opportunity to come back and put you on scholarship without even knowing who you were. And I know it was because of some of the circumstances, but I would, I would, you know, coach would tell you different. You know, it was because they didn't have anybody else. Uh, and I look back at it now because of my coaching experience. He's like, wow, we was we had to be pretty bad for a 137-pound <laughs> wide receiver to come back and, and be the guy, right? But uh, it, 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 my first time talking to him, it was just so – he sounded – he sounded like you wanted your coach to sound, you know, he wasn't making the promises. And I know people, you know, can get bored with the story, but he, he instilled in us that work ethic, man. And that's what I was used to. I mean, I came from a, uh, I was fortunate in my high school that my head coach was a former college coach. And Coach Monica was very similar to Coach in, in just the way he approached things. He, so, I, you know, when I got to K-State, we practiced for an hour and ten minutes with Stan Paris. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> and then when we when we went to the, the grinding that we did with Coach Snyder, he was like, oh, okay, this is, this is what I'm used to. I'm used to being out at Scout Island in New Orleans heat for two and a half, three hours. And that's why when I went to Kansas City with Marty, it wasn't a big thing for me to be in training camp for six weeks. You know, it wasn't, you know, Marty, we going to bang heads. and I, That wasn't a big thing for me because Coach Snyder had had me prepared for it. And that first conversation with him, just listening to him on the phone, like I tell people, when he said, I want you to come back and I'm putting you on scholarship, it was done. It was it was done. And uh, it was the same way when I became a coach and, and coach knows this. He told me the first thing he said to me as a coach when he when he was uh, promoting me from being a graduate assistant. Oh, excuse me. When he brought me back as a graduate assistant, he said, I want you to do this with me until I retire. And I told him, I'm in. And I did. I stayed with Coach until he retired. And then, you know, and, and through the process, I got older. He, you know, he understood the business. Again, the business changed and circumstances happened. I didn't want to leave in 2013. Yeah. We just won the, I mean, we just won the conference. I just felt like I was at a standstill and I was always going to be Smitty. And I thought going to the SEC, it would give me an opportunity to, to spread my wings, which it did. I mean, it did. But my the, the conversations with Coach, man, and I don't want to go off on a tangent. I'm not think I am, but you asked about it. It was it was unbelievable. It was it was everything I needed to hear as a as a kid at that time. Somebody believing in me, uh, having to go back and prove myself because I was done. I was done with Kansas State. After that freshman year, I was like, there ain't no way I'm going back to that school. You know, and, and he, he sold me the dream. And it, it fortunately worked out for me. Yeah, I'd say it did. <laughs> I mean, not only, not only do you come back, but you became such a focal point of that offense. Literally, when Bill Snyder arrived, your life changed as a college football player. It, it it totally did. You know, uh, again, like I said, you know, I've become the focal point of that football team. I'm, I'm fortunate enough to become an all-conference player. And, and you know, uh, I will mention All-American as a sophomore, you know, and uh, something that I'm, I'm very proud of to this day. And, you know, to, to, to have some of the records I had at such a young age, uh, you kind of, it, it was it was such a confidence builder for me not only as a player but as a as a young man because I, uh, I, I I I had a different swagger about me you know I thought I was really good coming out of high school and didn't get anything and then to uh, to get the opportunity to, to be that guy on a, on. A, on that football team at that level in that conference, which I was like, shoot, I'm competing against guys at 
Nebraska and Oklahoma, and and I'm holding my own. You know, I'm I've arrived. He cha- he changed. He really did. He gave me an opportunity to change my whole makeup as a as a person. You know, uh, and then the relationships that I I create. I mean, you know, all the things you go through in college. I mean, to this day, I tell people this. To this day, my best friend, friends in the world, one of those guys I played ball with at Kansas State. I mean, you know, I I would be remiss not going through this conversation, not mentioning Frank. Uh, Al, you know, me and EG talk, Eric Gallon, we talk every other week now. You know, now that is something that this pandemic has done. It's brought a lot of us a lot closer. A lot closer, which I've always been. I mean, to Frank and I, we spent the week on the beach this year with our families. Uh, you know, I, I try and get Al's moved away, but I try and see Al. We talk every day. You know, it's it's uh, that that whole that whole time was special, man. And and Coach Snyder put me in a position because then the next year I come back and I'm elected a captain. I become the school's first athletic uh ambassador you know things doors just start opening for me that have had such a tremendous effect on my life even to this day you know because i I put all those things on my resume you know and and uh it was and people go damn you were there at that time like yeah you know and then then they see the they see well shit you weren't only there Mm -hmm. (laughs) you were you were the dude. Yeah, you were. It's, like, it, it's like when uh, when that uh, the foundation thing came out. I had so many former players calling back and saying, "Coach, I didn't know you was that guy. I knew you was good, and you had the records and stuff." But to hear my teammates talk about me from that standpoint, man, that's that's flattering. That's 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 awesome. And coach was coach started it. When he came to Manhattan and said, "Come back and put me on," he he started it. So it was, it, I, I give him a lot of credit for it. And what what Coach did offensively is just it it staggers me as I look back over the course of his tenure at Kansas State. He was running the spread when he arrived. I mean, it, it was different, but basically running five wide up at Nebraska was an alien life form to the Huskers. Exactly. It was – I tell people to this day, and don't, do not get me wrong, Michael Bishop, L. Roberson, all these guys running the QB run game, uh, the spread offense. We didn't throw bubbles. We threw a flat route. Instead of me going behind the line of scrimmage, I went over the line of scrimmage and ran a five-yard out. But the play was a zone play, and if the overhang linebacker was too close to the box, Strong Watson would just check to the flat route to me. I caught 70 balls my sophomore year, and I bet I can guarantee 36 to 37 of them <laughs> were on that flat route. You know? Uh, and you just just talking about the five wise, but I'm talking about the QB run game. We were running QB draw and all that stuff with and QB power and all that stuff with Carl Straw, but Carl Straw ran five eight, you know, and it wasn't his his deal. His deal was his arm, his drop back. Uh, same thing with Chad May. When Chad May got there, the offense switched because the strength of our offense became his arm. And those receivers and tight ends he was throwing the ball to. That's that that's what I talk about when people ask about coaching. That's why I think coach is one of the best to ever do it. He adjusted. We were when I came back after uh Chad May graduated, Matt Miller becomes a quarterback. And uh you know, Tyson and then we're getting ready to move out. Because Matt Miller was more of a uh, under center guy, uh, you got Eric Hickson and Mike Lawrence as running backs. We went to the I formation, and that's where Goolsby starts playing more. 
you know, now we become a eye team. We get Kevin Lockett singled up out there and we wear people's butts out because coach was innovative enough to, to adjust that way. And then it's just like when Colin left, we were, and we threw the ball around with Colin because we had a good receiving core. But then you get a Jake Waters in there, and he spreads it out again. Yeah, he he did what fit his team, and that's the that's the mark of a good football coach, you know. Uh, and and that's why he is the, one of the, the best coaches to ever do it. You know, and, and, and he hired, and I'll say this first too, I mean this in all sincerity also. The thing that coach did better than any coach in the country, he surrounded himself, which he always told us, surround yourself with people that's going to make your life better. He surrounded himself with some unbelievable people. I'm talking about from the janitors to, to the top coordinators that have ever come out of Kansas State University. He, we, that whole thing was a machine, and it was awesome. It was. I still look back at 97 when Michael Bishop arrives, and I think the way he flipped his offense to fit Mike and what he created with that changed first just college football, but now football. It changed it forever. Football forever. Forever. And and coach used to clown about it when, and and again, this is behind the scenes. If you go back and watch games from when I played, I lined up in the backfield. Frank Hernandez lined up in the backfield, and he would do that so people would rotate their coverage to the tight end, jump myself. Frank, Gerald Benton, Andre Coleman, jump us out of the backfield into the slot. Now we're matched up against a linebacker, right? And I'm using that because that's all he did with Michael and them. He took another receiver, put him on the field, made that linebacker jump out there or a nickelback, whatever you want to call it. Now the box is empty. Now you got a dude that is – Got an unbelievable arm, but might have some of the best legs in the country in Michael Bishop. And you got him matched up against guys that he's superior to. Mm-hmm. And we wore people out. I was reading an article on football school probably, it's probably been four or five months. And it was they were interviewing Urban Meyer. And I remember, I'm a, I'm a first-year running back coach. Maybe I was a graduate assistant in 96. Urban Meyer came to Manhattan Yep. when he was at Bowling Green and learned our offense. Then he fortunately goes out to, you know, has the opportunity to go out to Utah and install that, has a guy, Alex Smith, and they go win, they go win 11 games, you know. And the, the, why I'm saying the thing about Urban is he was giving credit to Coach Snyder because people were saying how he created that offense. He's like, nah, I took a trip out to Manhattan, Kansas. I sat down with that staff and learned that offense because I never met Coach Meyer. But I was like, man, at least somebody knows. And, you know, he's revered at one of the best because then he takes it to Florida with Tim Tebow and the rest is history. Right. You know, that goes to show you how innovative and how far ahead of the game coach was, man. He was he was way ahead of the game because we did. We ran the spread. We go out, like you said, we go out and throw for 489 against Nebraska with Chad May. People like 400 something yards. What? At that time? I know. Now that number is so common, you know? Yeah. It's so common, you know, you, because you get a, a person like Mike Leach and that offense that comes in and the hell mummies of the world that, you know, they should, I wouldn't want to be a running back because you think about the running shoot in the nineties with Miles Davis and those guys, people were like, what the heck are they doing? <laughs> that, w- that wouldn't work in, in, in these super conferences. Uh, if you decide enough, it would have worked. Yep. You know, now you got to get a defense to match it, <laughs> but it would have worked for numbers. Coach Snyder was, he boiled football down to 
being a chess master. I'm going to move this piece and force you to move that piece, and now I got you where I want you. Right, right. I think you know, you know, and that's something you know that I've learned over. You know, that that part of it is where I think Coach spent so much time that. And this is before you had computers like we do now that spit out all the information for you once the data is installed. And I understand that. And that's where I tell people, I said, that's the biggest adjustment I had. You know, I don't have to sit in there 35 hours now to do it. When coach was coming through and teaching me, that was how it was done. They didn't have the computers to spit in there. And coach would study it so well that sometimes I tell people the best football game Coach Snyder ever called at Kansas State University when he took back over calling plays was the Oklahoma Big 12 championship. Yeah. He he knew what Stoops and them was doing before they did it. And then the fact that he had really good football players that went out and executed it and everything was going that night for us. Everything. There was there was nothing when there was nothing they could do on defense that that could stop us that night. It, we, he was in he was in a groove, and and it's you know like when they talk about people being in zones as players, coach was in that zone that night. I mean he could have threw anything out there and it was gonna go. It was incredible. It's my favorite moment in a press box because. I mean, we all know the storyline going into that game. It was, why play it? You know, it's a mismatch. Right. Oklahoma is the best college football team ever. And so that press box consisted of the K-State media, which wasn't a lot of us, the Oklahoma media, which was a lot more than us, and then the national media, which outnumbered all of us. Right. Because Oklahoma is going to go win a national championship, so we got to be there. The utter chaos that happened in that press box as that game moved on and they realized – Oh crap! This is really going to happen. Everything I've written about this game is out the window, and then they're trying to figure out who plays for the national championship. And it was it was utter mayhem in that press box, and it was just almost humorous to watch. It, I I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine because, like I said, after uh, you know after they scored, you know, okay, well, damn, fellas, we can't do this and beat this team. We can't beat ourselves. Coaches. Big line, right? When that kid missed that field goal and we got the ball back, the way the play calls were rolling off of his tongue, you just knew it was going to freaking happen. Mm -hmm. And once we scored, it it was it was over. It was over. You know, and I can say that now looking back at now on game night, you no, know, I'm like, shit, we got we got to score until we score until we score until yeah. we score because I mean they got they got some dudes over there. But looking back at it, you just like I say, the way the play calls were coming off his tongue, uh, the way the kids were running on the field, both offensively and defensively. And those guys defensively called an unbelievable game. It was our night. It was just our night. And 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 it's when you're in in that moment and you look back at it now and you realize what what you were a part of it. That's 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 it being in that zone. That's that great chess match that you're talking about. But and it goes to show you the type of football coach Coach Snyder was. Yeah. You know, because the next year, you know, he relinquished uh, play calling duties. You know. And uh, I, I always tell people, no, nah, don't get me wrong. He always involved all the coaches. You know, that was that was something else that coach was. He said, hey, give me what y'all think right here, blah, blah, blah. But he made the final call. And he was so he was so in tuned with the game, you know, for a long time, especially when I played, man. Shoot. And, and the best thing that Bill Snyder ever did – and a lot, being a coach, a lot of coaches that hate me for this. I really believe coach, t not they'd hate me, but they, he always took into consideration what we wanted to do. 
Yeah. Good, bad, and different. He in uh, nine out of ten times he listened to us and it would work. And nine out of ten times he listened to us and it wouldn't work. But he always gave us our input. And and uh and that that was so that was so awesome because it gave I know me as a player a lot of confidence. I know being around the Kevin Lockett's, the Darren Sproles, L. Robertsons, Mike Bishops, all those, all the, even Colin, man. You know, my last, when Colin would come to the sideline and say, Coach, we need to do this, and we could have a coach in a press box saying, Nah, I don't know if that's, nah, we're going to do what they want to do because they're out there. And that was, that's it. That's, and I've tried to be that way because I felt that way as a player. Coach, I'm out there. I know what this dude's doing. Now, don't get me wrong. Being a coach, you also see things different, mm-hmm. you know, up, up top. And that's the best way to watch a football game is from up top. But when you're looking through the lens of, of a player and you can look through that face mask, yeah. I mean, you up close and personal. You know, and that's uh, for coach to step back and take his ego out of it as much as he did. And, uh, and, and, and put his faith in 17, 18, 19-year-old kids in some crucial moments and, and watch them and, and then put them in the best position to go make a play, it was it was awesome. And that's, that's one of his greatest attributes. How hard was it to see him step away last year? Oh, it crushed me. Mm-hmm. It crushed me uh, because I've uh, – I just, I just always wanted to see him go out on his terms, right. you know, and, you know, outside he'll say he went out because it was time, but I, I still, just like the first time, man, there were, there were people talking, um, too much talking and, and, you know, we're human, you know, he's a robot, but he's still human, <laughs> you know, uh, you start hearing talk, man, that it affects you. It affects you, you know, and we put up this great wall that we're these, and, and he does, you know, but at the end of the day, you, you, and I don't want to speak for coach, but you, you feel like, Hey, shit, I've earned, I've earned this, mm-hmm. you know, uh, which he did. He earned it. He earned it. And, 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 uh, you know, when people sit there and say the game has passed you by, uh, that is, let me tell you something, man, and, and I say this to a lot of people. Cover two at Ferncrest Elementary where I played, Joe Brown, Park Ball, was cover two when I played for the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. The game ain't passed you by, you know. Uh, you know, there's, there, there's just some people that are in this business which I think coach was getting to that point, but he he was still from outside view. And again, I wasn't in those rooms at that time from outside. When you listen to coach, I went and saw coach. I, I went and saw coach uh, right before the last year. Uh, my parents and I drove up and we went and visited coach and we're in his office. And this, I'm, they don't play Mississippi State to like the third or fourth game of the season. Coach was watching Mississippi State tape, and it was June. And I'm like, Coach, go home. Go. I mean, it's like 12 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like, Coach, go home, man. But that that's why when people say games, no, it didn't pass him by. It, it didn't pass. It still hasn't passed him by. I can guarantee if Coach had to go out there and call a game, he he can call a game. If he had to go sit and watch it and get prepared for it one last time, he could call a game and call a pretty damn good game. You know, I, I, it, it crushed me. It crushed me because I just, I just always wanted Coach to go out saying, hey, which he did. You know, he did. He said, hey, I'm, I'm ready to walk away from it. It's time to be with my family and all that stuff. But I believe that he still had more in him. It was an interesting transition. I think the staff made it easy on the players. I mean, they, they're different, but they kind of are the same. 
Right. right. And I tell you this, man, and, and, and I don't know Coach Kleiman. I know Tui. I know uh, a lot, Buddy Wyatt. I know a lot of dudes on the staff, man. Van Malone, good dudes, man. Really, really good football coaches. The transition, because you're dealing with a different kid. You're dealing with a different society. You're dealing with different football players now. That part of it, I believe, you know, was the thing that I think Chris, because Chris is a younger guy. Chris is my age, right. you know. Uh, that part of it, man, is is the difference. But that's just something that Coach Snyder didn't deal with so much in the fact that he had assistants deal with it. That's why I think Coach always hired, and I, I'm speaking my terms, hired guys that played for him. Because we were the the bump between the players and him to show them how it was done. And because we played there and because we had been through all the stuff we had been through, we also had an uh, expectation of what our legacy at Kansas State and the legacy of that program wanted to be. You know what I'm saying? This, you guys are coming in here when it's good. Like Matt Miller and I used to always clown, and Matt was awesome with this. He say, "Oh, K State fans, man, some of these new people coming—they're a bunch of '98ers." '98ers, <laughs> that's great. Oh. And 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 he used to say they just thought K State became good in '98. And I tell Matt this: I say, Matt, you you got every right to say that because at the time, the highest ranked team at the end of the season was the '95 team. Even when Mike and them, you know, uh, the 98 team, they don't finish in the top six. The highest ranked team at Kansas State at the end of the year was Matt Miller's team. And I tell people about that defense. I'm like, Jeff Kelly, you my boy. But the defensive player of the year in our conference was our nose guard, Tim Colston. They had four dudes made first team all conference in the secondary, bro. Them dudes was loaded. Yeah, Kevin Lockett, Kevin Lockett was a pretty damn good player. <laughs> you know, so, so but and and going back to my point is that a lot of people just jumped on our in, in our opinion jumped on our bandwagon in '98, and it was because the media of and the following of Michael. You know, up for the Heisman. I get that. But the true K-Staters, yourself, and a lot of the people that were that went through the ass-kicking times, they understand that, man. They un- oh, dude, shoot, hey, we had some pretty good football players play at Kansas State. before, And the reason why the players in the university has gotten better and better and better, because – you made Manhattan somewhere you wanted to go. Yeah. I mean, I just give people this example. When they built that airport in Manhattan, that might have been the best thing ever happened to Kansas State football. Exactly. You have no – I was a graduate assistant when you used to have to drive from Kansas City to Manhattan. You have no idea how many big-time recruits we lost on that drive. I bet. You you have no idea how many coaches work their tails off to get kids to come to Manhattan on a recruiting trip. And then them dudes get on that, that in the car on that little van we used to have and drive them to Manhattan. They'd be like, oh, shit. I don't know about this one, mama. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yep. So. Well, I'm glad you stayed at Kansas State, brother, because you helped change the world of Kansas State football. <laughs> Man, I appreciate that, bro. I really do, man. I uh, I tell people this to this day, man. I uh, I've I've lived there longer than I've lived anywhere in my life. Uh, I would have no problem going back. Uh, my family loves it. I mean, to this day. I mean, I, you know, I'm I'm home, staying with my uh, parents right now, doing this this transition, and you know, helping them out through this and stuff like that, and. We sit here and we talk about the times there. Shoot, we can't get my dad has this big K State flag flying outside the the house right now, and uh, it is it was. I mean, it is a special place. It really is, and it takes a special person to go there. I get that, but uh, at the end of the day, it 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 was it, 
it was big for me. I mean, it, it was everything for me. Yeah. And and I met so so many like yourself, man. I met so many great people, and uh, that that just have been dear to me in my life. And and that's that's the thing I tell people. Uh, I I wouldn't trade my four years of uh, playing at K State for nothing in the world. And I won thirteen games in four years, but I wouldn't trade those experiences for anything. Mike, good to talk to you, brother. I appreciate you, Fitz, man. You be safe during this pandemic. Good to talk. All right, brother. Okay. Definitely. Be safe. Bye. Man, Smitty made that one easy. Just point him in the right direction, and the stories flowed. It's really hard to put into words the amount of impact as a player and a coach Michael Smith had on this program. But his name will forever be intertwined with the history of Kansas State football. It was great to reconnect with him, and I am certain that he won't be out of coaching for long. As I grow older, my respect and connection to guys like Michael Smith, Frank Hernandez, Al Jones, and Eric Gallen, well, and everyone else who is considered members of the foundation of Kansas State football, grows. What they did under Bill Snyder changed so many lives including mine. And somehow Smitty is 50 now, which means he's like all men 45 and older who need to get their PSA scored. It's a simple blood test that aids in the early detection of prostate cancer. Take care, everyone. I'll talk to you real soon. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.